Welcome back to the Super Centex podcast. Uh, Bryce Cherry alongside Chad Conine and DJ Ramirez. Good to see y'all. Oh. Uh, guys, let's jump into it. So one of the best feel-good stories to me of the Central Texas football season has been the resurgence of the University Trojans. Uh, Kent Laster has University at 2-0 and in uh, district play. You both have had a chance to see University play this year, DJ, just last week. Uh, what impresses you most about the U-Dogs, and is it sustainable in the long term? Uh I think it is. I think they just, they, they're finding ways to win. Um, I, I saw a lot of just, you know, whenever, and, and I don't know if this was just Pflugerville wasn't doing great that week, but um, eventually when they started responding, I, it didn't kind of like set university back. You know, they, they weren't really faced by it. Like if Pflugerville responded, university responded right back and they were just finding ways. If it wasn't, you know, Makai Sandoff running the ball, uh, they weren't afraid to throw it to London Smith. And, you know, some of the other guys kind of got involved as well. And um, defensively, they just, they, they looked pretty solid. And, you know, I didn't see, anything really defensively that I was just like taken aback by, you know? So, um, I, I think it's sustainable. Um, I just compared to a lot of the, uh, you know, I guess noise that had been going around from years before. I feel like, I mean, I can't really compare it cause I hadn't seen them play before this season. Yeah. You know, when I saw this question on the script, uh, I, I thought it was kind of interesting because the two times that I have seen university play, it was when they had games, you know, more or less won or were looking like they were going to win the game and ended up losing them. And that was the season opener against Robinson. And then two weeks after that against Arlington Heights. So, but when you look at it, like on a positive spin of, of that, they're three and three. If they win those two games, which they were very close in both of them, mm-hmm. they could be five and one right now, which is, uh, you know, a little mind blowing. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, when you look at the comparison, maybe unfair or unfair, when you look at the comparison between University Midway, Waco High, all of which started with a new coach at the beginning of last season, University has taken the substantial lead on the other two in terms of rebuilding their program. And one of the things that makes me think about when you ask about sustainability, and this is unfair, and maybe Bryce, you can sort of answer this, but does it seem like Waco ISD is in an either or situation, like either Waco High or University are going to be good because kids are going to funnel to one or the other? And and especially if if Laster shows that he really has a program going and a culture going there? Um. It's a good question. I don't think it's easy to answer. Uh, I, I mean, I think that almost requires additional research. Obviously, um, you know, so much of Waco ISD and and which team is going to be good uh, centers back to, uh, you know, which middle school might have the most athletes or, you know, because the different middle schools feed different schools. And um, I mean, I. Is it sustainable? Um, I think 
Laster's a smart guy and a good coach. And here's why it could be sustainable is you got one of your best players who's a freshman. <laughs> I mean, London Smith, he's going to be there for four years. And I saw uh, just this week that he picked up his second Division One offer as a freshman. Uh, now, granted, it was Baylor where he's kind of a legacy kid. Uh, but, you know, that's still pretty impressive for a freshman to already be picking up D1 offers, especially uh, at university. And, uh, you know, DJ mentioned, you know, the noise, so to speak. I mean, uh, the more they win – the more they'll kind of silence a lot of that noise. So um, it, they're trending in the right direction. So, and Astros just hit a home run. So that's good also. <laughs> Speaking of trending in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, you know, but you can really see like the potential for university to build a culture there, you know, and, and, and I've talked with Laster enough to know that, you know, if, if, if he's there and if he keeps gaining momentum, he could definitely be the guy to do it. Yeah. Uh, well, we can't go more than one question without digging into our game of the week. Uh, DJ will be at this one this week. It's China Spring La Vega week. Um, this is arguably the best rivalry in Central Texas, at least in the 21st century. And we kind of all know the old cliche about rivalry games. Um Clearly, China Spring is the favorite in this in this game. They're ranked second in the state with good reason. Um, defending state champions have continued to play well. But La Vega building up a little bit of momentum. Pirates riding a three-game winning streak in which they have only allowed 21 points in those three games. Um, how do you guys see this one playing out? Oof. oh man i don't like answering these kinds of questions because you know it puts you on the spot it puts me on the spot it's like it's it's just a tough it's tough to say that you know la vega can't beat china spring because they can sure you know they they did have a rough guard early in the season they're kind of battling some injuries i was on the phone with coach hyde for a minute and a half this morning um, which is most than most people get, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you count that. You you bank that ninety seconds. Um, but you know, I think they they're they're also trending in the right direct direction. I think they're going to give the Cougars a fight, and I mean, um, that's not to say that you know China Spring isn't. I mean, China. I feel like at this point, every time somebody asks me about China Spring, I'm just like, they're they're China Spring. Mm. They're like <laughs> they're clicking along, yeah, yeah. Um, just the fact that they—it doesn't seem like they've missed a beat. They've had, you know, maybe an off game or two, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of the- leaning towards kind of spring just because you know they've kind of convinced me that there are very few things that can go wrong with that team. So I'm going to do more than lean. Okay. Um, I got a little insider scoop that I won't reveal the source. I won't reveal what the, what the scoop was because I don't want to out this person. Right. But I'm just going to go come out and say, if La Vega wins this game, 
it will contradict everything I know about high school football trends and the way these two teams are playing this season. China Spring is on track to maybe, you know, challenge for a state title. I think they'll win this game and I think they'll beat Stephenville. And I mean, who knows how far they might go. I think they've got everything going for them. La Vega on the, on the other hand is fighting like heck to try to get back to where they, where they have been as a program and they're not quite there yet. Okay. Interesting. Uh, that was very <laughs> cryptic. <laughs> I mean, all due respect to La Vega and, and coach Hyde and everybody over there and, and, and their program, you know, puts in the work as much or more than any other program around here, but they're just not there right now with, with China spring. Uh, it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with you, Chad, but uh, at the same time, it's China La Vega. I mean, I feel like it's a, a little bit like La Vega Conley that, you know, that kind of matchup in terms of just arch rivals and, and they're going to get up for each other. Um, and to DJ's point earlier about the U dogs being resilient, I feel like La Vega is resilient, you know? So, you know, even if they fall behind in this one, now, if they do fall behind, I don't think La Vega is always built as, you know, the, the passing team. Uh, I, I think Robert Prescott's a pretty good quarterback, but at the same time, you know, their, their game has always been built around running the ball, playing defense. So it probably would help them out to, you know, maybe get a, get an early touchdown and, and then, you know, show China spring. They're going to be in there for the, the long four quarter haul. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it sounds like we're all leaning toward China spring, but you know, this is why they play the games. Uh, so the most competitive district in our area, at least in my uh, opinion, might be the one living in the Stone Age. Uh, you like that cheesiness, Chad? Look at Chad. Uh, uh, this is the Freestone Limestone County District that includes Fairfield, Teague, uh, Mahaya, and Grosbeck. Two of those in uh, Freestone County, two of those in Limestone County. Um, DJ, you're going to be writing about this in the high school notebook this week, but, um, obviously they're very competitive and they all have rivalries within one, you know, within each other. Um, so Malakoff looks like the best team in that district. They look like the number one seed. Um, and Eustace and Kemp on the bottom end have looked like the cellar dwellers. They're they're zero and five combined in the district. Um, so that leaves the other four fighting for three spots. Which of our Syntex schools out of that group—Grosbeck, Mahaya, Fairfield, Teague—which uh, joins? Malakoff in the playoffs, which, so who's the odd team out basically is the easier way to answer that question. Start with you, Chad. Uh, I'd say it's Fairfield if they don't beat me. I mean, uh, um, right now I feel like it's Fairfield. That one point loss at Mejia hurt them. Now it could come down to the Tig Fairfield winner gets in. Yes. So I did just look ahead right before the podcast week 11, last week of the regular season, Teague at Fairfield. I'm mm. with you, Chad. I feel like 
that's what it's going to come down to for probably the fourth place playoff spot. What do you say? Well, I mean, if Tig beats Mejia, it, it might already, well, it, it could the happen. Mejia game is important too. So it no. could happen. It could happen. What, what do you say, DJ? Oh, I just spent the whole day talking to all these coaches. So <laughs> <laughs> I know for sure Grosbeck's going to be in it. Um, it's hard to not favor them and they're five and one. If they, if, if their quarterback hadn't gotten injured early in the season, I think uh, coach said it was like three games in um, that, you know, they might be undefeated. Who knows? Um, and but, they, and, and they've bounced back from that nicely. You know, uh, it's been impressive what they've done without Alan Lewis. Yeah, no, they, they've done really, really well, even without him. And I mean, uh, Chris Cox kind of picked up a lot of the, um, heavy lifting at running back just because, you know, you're not, I guess, passing the ball as much with the, with a younger quarterback, but, um, yeah. And, uh, I think, but yeah, it might come down to Tegan Fairfield, um, unless, you know, Mejia no, doesn't take care of business, but I think Mejia can take care of business. They had a really tough non-district schedule. And so now coming in, I mean, that grows back game. They were in the thick of it. it. And it's, it's kind of uncanny just how similar that game was to their win over Fairfield. Like it was, it was pretty much the same, maybe, maybe like the overtime, big over version, you know, they're leading and then Fairfield comes back, which is similar to what happened at the Grosbeck game with them. Grosbeck was leading, Mejia came back. And then the goats just kind of went for two in overtime in order to take the win by a point. And, and that was you no know, talking to these coaches all day. That was kind of like the big thing is that they're all very similar teams. They're all very. Um, and, and so that's, I guess, why it's very competitive is they're, they're all kind of in the, in the same boat, in the same area, which is mm-hmm. kind of. And, and one of the reasons why you know, the history of the rivalry is so big is that everybody kind of knows each other in that area. So that's yeah. um, yeah. fun for sure. They, uh, they like each other to a point, <laughs> but they all definitely want to beat each other for well, sure. They- oh, I think we lost her. She had, 10, oh, well. she had 10% battery. She had, it's not like she had a good point coming. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll wrap it up, Chad. Uh, we'll, fi- well, we could do this last. Qu- I-, I got something teed up for this last question. All right. So the last question I did want to hear DJ's uh, response to it, but um, so it's homecoming uh, time in central Texas in, in the state, really. Uh, you mm-hmm. get a lot of homecoming games. Uh, mid October. Yeah. Mid October. It's that time of year, which means that the moms are out in force. Uh, those ridiculously oversized flowers that uh, take up an entire dress. I think um, anybody watching this podcast knows what a mom is. Sure. All right. So it's become a little bit of a can you top this kind of Texas tradition. What is your take on the mom? Are you pro-mom, anti-mom, well, or mom indifferent? Well, I'm, it's not like, you know, mom, it's like not like I see a kid wearing a mom. Usually, you know this as a sports writer, you walk into a high school game, you're doing your usual Friday night business. And it used to be worse, like back in the day, because they've gotten a little bit better at organizing things, I feel like, over the years. But 
back in the day, you'd walk into a high school game, you saw a mom and you got, or you go, oh man, halftime just went from 28 minutes to 45 minutes. Right. You know, and you'd be like, how many homecoming games do I have to go to this year? Right. You go to like three or four in a row or something. Um, So like, it's not really that way anymore, but here's what I will say on this topic. Right. And this gets back to my like tendency to be like, a grumpy old man and have good old days syndrome because, you know, there was a time when like, if you went out to eat downtown at a steakhouse, you would put on at least a button down shirt, you know, and, and comb your hair and everything, or, or you might even put on slacks and a sport coat or something like that. And you go eat steak and everybody there is dressed similarly, you know, now you go to diamondbacks on a Friday or Saturday night and some schmo is wearing like, gym shorts and a t-shirt and a hat on backwards and Crocs, you know? (laughs) And you go to a homecoming football game and, you know, there's some girl wearing a t-shirt and jean shorts with a mom pinned to her shirt. You know, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't fit together. You know, like whatever happened to the, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like, they need to to dress it up is what you're saying. Yeah. And I mean, and I am the crotchety old man because those, those days are gone. If they weren't gone already, COVID killed them. COVID turned everything into 24 <laughs> seven pajama time. Oh, COVID's fault. Thanks COVID. <laughs> well, like, I think it did. I think for six months, nobody ever got out of their pajamas and they said, I'm never coming out of my pajamas again. <laughs> Chad, instead of saying, thanks, Obama is saying, thanks, Corona. <laughs> uh, so I would say generally I'm more mom indifferent. Uh, You know, I I don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other. I do think some of them are, you know, it's, it's gotten a little ridiculous, staggering, you know, just how, how big some of them are. I saw one at, I think China spring, maybe a picture I saw that would have been bigger than a girl. I mean, you know, (laughs) I don't know how she would have worn it. I just said there were like three mom, three flowers put together on a thing or it was, it was just like a that. picture of, it looked like, I hate to put it like this, but you know how you, when you go to a funeral, uh, mm-hmm. you'll see like a big flower stand, um, mm-hmm. you know, it looked like that. And I was like, nobody can wear that, you know, mm-hmm. um, I was sitting here with the game on in the background watching, uh, an infield shift and trying to figure out if I could make a, an analogy between an infield shift and the moms, but. Oh uh, Lord. I don't think the internet is ready for that. (laughs) But I I think I can in this regard. Oh, Uh, here we go. We're going to try. Yeah. Well, it's part of the game. Some people like it. Some people don't. It's actually, uh, this is where it is different. It's leaving the game, major leagues next year. They're, they're mm-hmm. banning the infield shift, but I'm I'm sort of indifferent about about both, really. Uh, for one, they played baseball a hundred and something years, and you know why change the rules now just because guys can't hit to all fields? I don't know. Um, so as far as the moms go, um, you know I'm fine with it. Uh, maybe just keep them within reason, <laughs> you know, uh, they don't have to be quite so um, ridiculous. I know everything is bigger in Texas, but anyway, 
Hey, why don't they why don't they dress NFL quarterbacks and mums like all around their head and neck area so that they're not in such danger all the time? <laughs> right, right. Uh Meanwhile, mom's the word from DJ. Um, She's been texting me trying to get back in. Yeah, but. she texted both of us trying to get back in, but we'll just we'll just let We're her. We're not trying to exclude her. We're just on a roll. Yeah, well, and it's recording and, you know, whatever. So we'll catch up with DJ's mom thoughts next week and enjoy your game. You're going to Rosebud Lot and Boston. At Boskyville, yep. Sounds okay. good. I think that should be a good one. All right, see ya. All right, bye.